Grease Monkeys and Gearheads. Bounce a ball joint off your boosted bumper. Fuel the fulminations of your fluidic flywheel. And remember that the true measure of horsepower is friendship. Vroom, 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 because it's time to vroom, vroom, tall to me! That was good. It's almost like you've seen a car before. I've heard of them. I've heard them. I've heard they're a bad idea. No. What'll horses do now? Welcome back. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Mo, And this is Talk Tall to Me. A slow joyride through the rocky terrain of prog rock in which neutral steer Nick and overdrive Omen will take a peep under the chromed out hood of each and every song that roadworthy rock band Jethro Tull has ever rolled off the assembly line. We will test the tensioning strength of Martin Multileaf Bar, get a significant amount of mileage out of David Powertrain Peg, and stiffen our suspension with special guest Eddie Jounce Bumper Jobson. And if we drive this rig carefully, we may reach 200,000 miles before having to change the Ian Antilock Braking System Anderson. I'm going to be honest with you. I... I I talked to my manager. I really shouldn't be selling this podcast for for this low, but I mean, I, I'm probably going to get fired for this. Tell me what I can do to get you to take this podcast away off this week. Lot. I need it gone today. I, we need to get rid of this podcast. You know, actually, the metaphor of a car is is very apt for talking about Jethro Tull. It's it's sort of the the 1969 Chevy Impala of Theseus. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah theseus's impala theseus yeah. <laughs> yeah theseus's mustang yeah i like it that's that's pretty Nick, good oh man welcome back i'm i'm glad to have uh i'm glad that we're b- back both in the back seat of this podcast together that i don't know are. who's driving i like your hands are in in uncomfortable places but uh but that's what happens when you're in the back seat baby so. we started getting pulled over we both jump in the back yep plausible deniability neither of us can get in trouble right yeah Anything before we jump into the song of the jour? No, no, indeed. Except, yes, we have emails. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. We are going to start this week with two emails from two new writers. Writers Inners, I'm going to start us off with one from Chris. They begin with, what a tall experience, and uh, A's in quotes. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Says, Omen and Nick, I find your podcast very entertaining with your knowledge and humor. Your thorough, in-depth analysis of each song makes me rethink what I thought I knew about these songs. I find myself shaking my head in agreement or shouting at you that you're both crazy. Yeah. Not uncommon. Yep. I like it. I very much enjoy the Kool-Aid and now can't get enough. You very much deserve my patronage and five-star review. Thank you. On my commute home, I find myself parked in the driveway, not entering the front door until the episode is over. Now that, I think, is that the most credit for a podcast. That's right. Talk Tall to Me, driving families apart <laughs> since 2019. Mommy, where's Daddy? He's in the driveway again, listening to his podcast. With his other family. Talk Tall to Me. My jump start, like many others, started when I was very young and overheard my older brother playing songs from the wood and heavy horses. Wow. My first tall concert, and my first concert ever, was A. I was 16 and a friend had an extra ticket. I thought to myself, this isn't the tall I'd remembered, but the show was so amazing. A true entertainer with his one leg posing, enthusiastic dancing and flute spinning, not to mention the huge balloons. I walked away in awe and have been hooked ever since. I haven't missed a tour since. I'm up to 14 right now, including a few anniversary, Christmas, and light music tours. I've since dragged every family member to each and every Tull show. The last was my 14-year-old son to the 50th anniversary show. I'm happy to say I bleed Tull. A game I play with my fellow Tull Skulls, 
What are your five tall desert island albums, one of which must be a live album? What are your three time machine tours? Oh, that's a good one. And what time machine tour would you have drinks with Ian after the show? I have mine, but they're constantly changing. Your friend and follower, not too old to rock and roll, Chris. Oh, lovely, Chris. Thank you so much for your your tall from ages past relation to us, of your kind words, and for your jumpstart. And your patronage. And, and your five patronage. stars. Greatly appreciated. And your stars. Yeah. And just a reminder, if anyone wants to sound off in the, the comments or most likely the Patreon, what are your five tall Desert Island albums, one of which has to be live? What are your three Time Machine tours? And what Time Machine tour would you have drinks with Ian after the show? Yeah, for the my Desert Island ones, I would try to choose as many double albums as possible because that would provide roofing material for my hut. Yeah, I mean, you can you. We know the songs well enough that you don't actually need to listen to them. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Nick, I have an email here from a Tom W. Tom Dubs. Give it to me. Who writes, subject, something's on the move, historical reference. Message. You feckless momes, you. (laughs) I listened to your analysis of the Stormwatch song, Something's on the Move, and I need to give you a little perspective. In the 70s, scientists were also discussing climate change, except they theorized that the Earth's climate was getting cooler, not hotter. LOL jokes on them. (laughs) It was thought that it could result in a man-made ice age. This might explain the overall tone of this environmental album. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense with the, the giant iceberg and the hidden enemy. Oh, totally. And the general chill of the album. I mean, it's it's brilliant. And even the, you know, the rush for energy, this kind of desire to stockpile fuel before the impending winter, like right. my dad does every year with uh, with logs. Yeah. He stuffs his cheeks full of acorns. He does. And then, uh, and then packs a couple of logs on the fire and he goes to bed. Yep. That's and, it. Yep. That's great perspective, Tom W. Thank you so much for writing in. We always appreciate the... The the mome mind coalescing to bring us these these facts and this context. That we do. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, Alman. And Nick, what is next in our pre-show preamble? Next in our pre-show is this album's Dogs in Midwinter. So we're talking album art. Everybody, pull out your uh, your your vinyls here. Omen has his. I have got mine. mine. Right here. We're looking at the front here. We've got Jethro Tull in the upper right hand corner. We've got the Ian Anderson A symbol cast into the clouds, much like the bat sig- signal. Yes, except except it's a it's a burning red. The it, the color choices are really interesting on this album. It's basically on the front here. It's it's black, red, and white. But most of the white is tinged with the red glow. Yeah, that that kind of scary red warning light fuchsia, I guess. Yeah, you yes, know? yes. Yeah, so we've got the full the full cast at a airport watchtower. You yeah, know, a where, control tower. Yeah, yeah, control tower. Thank you. We've got Ian in the front, Eddie Jobson and his very sharp cheekbones kind of standing up at the top. Martin is is in the middle with some headphones on. I don't know what Dave and, and Mark look like, but they're the other two in the back, and one of them has some really badass shades on. Yeah. Eddie Jobson is holding a map of some Oh, yeah. Kind. That's right. It's the map to his violin. It's buried somewhere. That's, I think. that's right. Interesting little detail here. You can see on Ian's left hand is a rather expensive-looking watch. Oh, a Piaget? An odd bit of flash for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe it's just like a hunk of metal and it's just reflective. <laughs> it could be. You can also see a, 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 a fairly substantial hoop earring in his ear. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, cool. I've never noticed that before. And he has he has the A emblazoned on his left collar and it looks like no one else does. He's also got a, a chain. He's wearing a chain around his neck. Oh, yeah. Seems like he broke down and, and finally bought some some rather modest you know, expensive jewelry for himself. He's embracing the 80s. 
And we should say that they're all in the the fabled white jumpsuits. I suppose they took the shots before they decided to make them multicolored. Thank you, Eddie Jobson. Right, right. And uh, let's flip over onto the back here. We've got them on a runway. It's evening now. Martin is <laughs> popping out of the driver's side of a of a big old lorry, as they call it. I think that might be the 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 kind of the rig that you use to tow planes with. Probably, yeah. Or maybe the, what you use to tow the maybe that's the the fuel tanker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly some sort of utility vehicle. Yeah, big flat nose truck. And we we have all of them standing there in uh, in their white jumpsuits. I should note now I see the A on every one of their costumes. It's just that Ian is the one who has it on his lapel. Everybody else has it kind of in the on the front. Yes. And that's really it. And they're staring off into the distance at something very, very intrigued, whether it's missiles coming in or a a plane landing or a four-wheel drive vehicle of some kind. Ian's uh, gaze can only be described as something between Frodo seeing Mount Doom for the first time (laughs) and a frog that's just been pithed. A frog that's been pithed? What's a a pith? That's That's where you stick a piece of metal up the spine into the brain. Oh, why why would you do that with a frog? Oh, man. Uh, it's for science. Oh, for, for science. So about this album, this fell under the art direction of Chrysalis's Peter Wagg. And they went to a local aerodrome with the photographers John Shaw and Martin Goddard. So they, they, want, they put on those white jumpsuits because they wanted something of a vaguely artistic, futuristic vibe. Fun little tidbit here. This is the first cover since Benefit to feature the whole band, not just Ian. Oh, wow. And it's also the last one to do that. So, so bizarrely, this my, my uh, vinyl is a hand-me-down. The <laughs> album itself is A, but the insert that I have features the songs Band on the Run, Bluebird, Let Me Roll In, Picasso's Lost, Last Words. Band on the Run. Who is this? It's Wings. That's Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's Paul McCartney right there, dude. Wow. (laughs) How strange. Well, that's not that's not the official Tull release. Obviously, that's that's been some sort of a mix up. But you know, (laughs) I I would say so. Yes. (laughs) But that's the wonderful thing about physical media is you get you know you get some you get some history right there. You get the story of that piece of vinyl. It was accidentally put into a Wings case and then put back into the a yeah just the sleeve part not the actual yeah right. cardboard yeah so sorry you were saying art direction oh no that's it that's it I, I i finished it well i finished it it was the the art art direction photos first since benefit and last to feature the whole band oddly enough was supposed to be a solo album and it's the first one to feature the whole band yeah hey oddly yeah i'm sure everyone is positively teething at their chilled plastic toys to get into the actual song. I know you are. I have gone through so many chilled plastic birdies. Oh, man, what are we talking today? Nick, we are talking about one of my favorite songs off of this album, Four Wheel Drive, Low Ratio. Right, so so the, the title is the number four, period, W, period, D, period, parentheticals, mm-hmm. low ratio. Yes, often spoken as four-wheel four drive, drive, low ratio. However, the working title was just four-wheel drive written out. How irrelevant. Absolutely. This was ju- recorded on June 2nd in 1980 at Maison Rouge. Take four again was the master. One for each wheel. That's right. Take four-wheel drive. They attempted to actually record this back in 78, which is Circa Heavy Horses. Oh, interesting. Which would have sounded so very different. I would love to hear that, though. It might be on one of those Heavy Horses um, bonus tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, as to be expected, just about Ian enjoying a particular type of vehicle. Or is it, let's find out together. Nick. Omen, sell me on this song. Oh my gosh. You know, you know, everyone says that they want 
uh, a fast, clean three minute song, and they're all lying to themselves. Okay. What they really want is. Well, I guess this is a three minute song. It's three minutes it's, and 37 yeah. seconds. Yeah. But, <laughs> but this song can fit so much funk into it, so much bass. It's, it's, it's suitably funky. Yeah. You'd be losing money not to buy this song, frankly. I mean, it's an investment. I'd, I'd say it's an investment. It's an investment in yourself. You deserve it. It loses half of its value once you take it off the lot, but it's still worth it. But it gained twice that from how much you love it. That's right. And that's ultimately all that matters. That's right. Yeah. Who, what, what else, if you don't buy this car, what is going to rust in your backyard in 10 years? I mean... Where are the badgers going to live, Nick? Don't you like to drive and see through the foot panel? Isn't it exciting to you? <laughs> Nick, do you, I, I think, I think I know the answer to this question. Do you like cars or do you care about cars? I have a very soft spot for like very early Corvettes. Really? I don't know anything about them, but there something about that design is just, it pushes a button for me. Wow. I didn't ever know that about you. Very, very early Corvettes, like Circa Stingray with the T-top the and the point in the back. Sure. Mm. Now I know what to get you for Christmas. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> I I don't know anything about them, but yeah. there's just something about that. Other than that, I really like my Subaru. Okay. <laughs> and I can't wait to buy an electric vehicle for my next car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same. Same. But other than that, no, it doesn't do anything for me. You're not, you're not like a gear head. You don't like, you don't like see a car and be like, oh, I bet that's got a send an exhaust system and a I'm not a gear anything. Like there's nothing on my body that's gear. <laughs> you, yeah. You're you're a I would say you're a gear thorax, right? Like you're not like a full on gear head. I'm a gear antenna. Yeah, you have the things that you're you're interested in. I like gear in general. I like I like objects. I relate to objects. They comfort me in a way. Okay. I like functionality, and and well, I never grew up thinking, oh, I, I want a cool car so I can be cool, or, you know, I want maximum torque and horsepower. Now I am a little bit more interested in that. You know, I, I, I've spoken often about my Fiat 500 Abart. So, so you're still sticking to the not having a cool car to be cool then? Is that what you're saying? I don't need my cool car to be cool. I just happen to have a cool car. And you are cool separately. Separately, yeah. Yeah, okay, exactly. gotcha. Okay, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> my my Abart has paid off, though. Did I tell you? Uh, you are, are you saying you paid off the Abart? Is that no, 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 no. <laughs> Goodness, no. No, my, my much too expensive and unreliable Italian car finally paid off emotionally for me. Oh. When one of the 20-year-old something members of my cast, of the play that, I, that, I, uh, that I'm in currently, said... One day, oh, hey, I saw you have a really cool car. And I was like, well, and mission accomplished. <sighs> you kissed him full on the mouth and walked Drove away. the car straight into the ocean. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's wonderful. But even before I had any interest in cars whatsoever, this song really did something for me. I, I seem to recall that very early on. Like, even when we were in college, this was maybe one of the the only songs that we half-heartedly discussed off of this album. And it was me shaking my head and you saying how much you enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think it for me it's about... There's a purity to this song that is rare... There's a simplicity to this song that is rare with Tull. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's Usually, very, yeah. With the writings of Ian Anderson, we have layers and levels of meaning. We have sub-basements and basements and secret rooms and circular corridors of meaning. And a broom closet that you didn't know about. A saw-like death dungeon, torture porn, just to, just to get through to if the... If you will. <laughs> I will. I yeah. will. And that's just the instrumental. So, I mean, that's that's very valid. This is there is there is little poetry here in terms of the the floral and the the veiled and layered. I'll give you that. And, and musically, I just really like it. That's what that's what first turned me on to it is just 
it really it really activates my lower chakras. <sighs> oh, my root is tingly. Uh, the no, I'll give you the particularly the music. The music redeems it for me. It really does. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, like I said the last couple episodes. This is the third of that trilogy that is about its subject matter. I just I don't care for. It just it it doesn't do it for me. It's boring. It's not interesting to me at all. But the music in here, it really does redeem it. It's it is quite funky. And having listened to it like for in the on the really good headphones for the first time, like I was I was I was quite turned around by it. And it's interesting, you know, if you look at the album, side A is uh, it is composed of four songs that really have a lot to do with events that were current to the time of writing. Sure, sure. The B side, once you flip it over, is less so. Obviously, Protect and Survive, we talked about, is about, you know, this particular nuclear holocaust pamphlet that everyone was issued. Right. Batteries Not Included and Uniform and Low Wheel Drive are a little bit more the kind of observations of things in Ian's life. But even Protect and Survive, I would say all four of those are very... They're tangible. Yes, that's They're true. actual physical things that you can hold in your hand and and look at, examine, write a song about. They're 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 hands on a hard body. You can't I mean I guess you can't hold hold a four-wheel drive in your hands, but not with that attitude. Not- <laughs> Go get back to the gym. Have you ever heard of the hands on, on a hard body competition? Is it people holding their hands on a very, very buff person and the last one wins something? No, that's that's hard on the hand body. Oh, I've got, this one, is, got one of those right now. This, hands on a hard body is a distinctly American event that occurs in the South. Maybe not so much these days, but the event is a local car dealership will put up a vehicle. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was close. Yeah. And a group of people will put their hands on it. And whoever takes their hand off last wins. Whoever remains with their hand on the vehicle wins it. And it can go on for weeks. I seem to recall at least one, if not two or three separate occasions of, you know, those those like 90 sitcoms that we grew up with, like Full House, Boy Meets World. Sure. Family Matters. I believe that was a, a an episode. Queens. King of Queens was later, though, and trash. Oh. <laughs> but I believe that was a, a story, like a main story arc in in an episode for at least two or three of those. So I yeah, do know of that. Sure. I just didn't know that that they probably didn't want to call it that for yeah. family television. But there's also a musical called Hands on a Hard Body, which is spectacularly mediocre. <laughs> Fiercely average. Great. Yeah. yeah. But we digress. Nick, shall we that talk we about do. the music? Let us musically talk about this song. What a great drum start. Mark coming in solid and strong. Really pulling his own here and showing that he's a he's a good, decent drummer. He really Bookends is. the song, in fact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And really sets up for for my experience that playful energy of of something that's raw, something that is primal, perhaps, something that is you know, stereotypically masculine feeling. Sure, sure, sure. But has still got that kind of proggy element of playfulness. You know, you have those, that syncopation in there. You have a couple of uh, tondos and, and moments where the meter changes. But overall, it's very, it, it, it it's very sweeping of you. It's, I want to say funky, but like, like, yes, it's funky. But is that like, what is that, what is that drum style feel like is that is that bluesy like that there's there's x i mean it's super proggy there's extra notes filled in and it's it's not like a standard like four on the floor but like what is that i think it's mark craney it's mark craney everybody it's it's rock and roll it's rock and or roll regardless it's it's very good it's very very good the uh bass comes in really strong bass is Uh, super funky I think that David, for me, David Pegg is is really the hero of this song. Oh, yeah. He's got some great slides in this thing. Very fun to listen to. 
and the the whole bass part of it is, is really pulled forward, which I think is a you know appropriate for the song, yeah, for the material. But it's also a great showcasing of of what he can do. We talked a little bit about his abilities last episode, I think, but yeah, it's extraordinary. I mean, he really has a different style. Before taking this journey with you, Nick, I always sort of thought of all bassists as being pretty much the same. I know. I'm ashamed to admit that as well. But in fact, they are individuals. They are. They they break off of the same hive. But the bass tree. The bass tree. But once they're broken off, they they, they create their own personages. They're all laid by the same bass queen and feed upon the same bass honey. But if two bassists meet each other after they break off from the tree, they have to fight to the death. Yeah. Or, yes, exactly. Which involves a lot of dancing. There can only be one that can... Per flower. Breed with the queen. But the but the bass flight dances, it really is beautiful. <laughs> so we've got... This is the least synthy song of the album. Yeah, that's true. We we have some real-life piano in it. Is it real-life, though? Or is it is it, like, synthy piano? It's just so... It's so like I don't want to say mediocre, like for lack of a better term. It's the it's it's not as crazy and wacky synth that it sounds almost normal piano. To my to my ear, it's just a straight up piano. Especially okay. when when we get to the breakdown coming out of the breakdown, we have some of those some of those piano riffs. It sounds very mm. real piano-y to me. Take you For me, where the electronic element comes in is in the manipulation of the voices. Oh, yeah. That real, probably the strongest uh, occurrence so far in Tall of auto-tune. Yes, yeah, both high and low. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah so very much fun. I think it's so cool. Yeah, I agree. I really like those. I think it, it it adds a lot. It's very fun and different. I don't think we ever hear it again. We certainly haven't heard it up to this point. Yeah. It's one of those fun, like, this fits here. Let's probably not do it again because it probably won't fit anywhere else, but it's good. I think there are a couple of examples on A of, of it being used in a very, very slight way. Oh, okay. In, in this case, it's it's being pulled out and really played with as an instrument. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Especially thinking of it in this, in terms of it being this early usage of that technique. Uh-huh. And then finally, Martin, when he comes in, when he does pull forward with his oh, stings, yeah. very nice, very, very down. nice. Yeah. It's he really lets loose. It's again, it it almost there's something for me that that this song almost feels a little bit like a a parody of masculinity or or putting on the mask of masculinity. I can see that. Like Martin's guitar in this sounds a little bit like this is what it would sound like if Martin Barr played the guitar in the style of other rock musicians at the time. Yeah, because it's, it's almost shreddy. It is almost shreddy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like he could play in a hairband if he wanted to. He doesn't want to. He can play those guys off the stage, but he doesn't want to because he's Martin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also thinking back to the fact that this was, they first tried to create this in 78, like, mm. boy, would I love to hear this as a Heavy Horses version. That's one thing that I want to talk about. I'm not sure it would be as good, but I do, I do want to hear it. I think that it's really interesting to think about this song in the context of Heavy Horses because... In one way, my gut reaction is, well, that wouldn't fit at all. But my my lower intestine reaction <sighs> is actually it fits in very well thematically. Are you're, so we're we're ignoring the small intestine. Yes, we're ignoring the small intestine. Always ignore the small intestine. Always, please don't give it any more attention. We're ignoring the a sound here. And we're talking just about the yes. yes. Okay, yo, absolutely. It's it's a farm vehicle. It's a farm song. It's a fun farm song. It's a works. It's a work vehicle. Absolutely, Ian. This is this is this is the time when you didn't see every dude bro driving a jeep with the top down, or really rich a hole driving a Range Rover, and they never see a speck of dirt. Right. Exactly. Back then, these were not status symbols. They were hardworking 
farm vehicles and, and, and hauling vehicles. So yeah, Ian was driving one of these, a four-wheel drive of some kind. It probably was a very early Range Rover. In fact, I think I've seen pictures of him or, or at least heard him talk about uh, having a Range Rover early on in, in at the manor house. Right. So that that's what this song is. In a different context, this wouldn't be much different necessarily than than Kit Moore's Something About a Truck. Something about a truck in a farmer's field. A no trespass sign. Time to kill. Or the 1994 Joe Diffie hit, Pickup Man. Well, I got my first truck when I was three. Drove a hundred thousand miles on my knees. Hauled marbles and rocks and thought twice before I hauled a Barbie doll bed for the girl next door. What I'm saying is there's a tradition of songs about people enjoying their vehicles. But this, yeah, yes, I'll give you that. However, this is not, this song is not catering to a clientele who locks their pickup trucks and their pickup trucks make the worst noises in the world when your five-year-old is trying to sleep. Just just saying. No one's bitter. Right. This song would never be used in a car commercial. And it's right. not designed for that. It's not used to sell beer. It's not used to sell trucks. No, there's no mention no. of beer. There's no mention of, of anything, really, except the truck. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very focused. And that's what I like about it. That's where the purity of it comes from. Yes. Yes. I, I, I concur. If I have to listen to this or a country song about a truck, I'll listen to this. There's some wonderful syncopation in this song. It is in 4-4, as far as I can tell, but it doesn't quite feel like it because of the the, the intense syncop- syncopation, especially with the flute. And there are some really distinct prog elements built in to the to especially especially the rhythm and then you know mm. in the breakdown we get a couple more instances of playing with that but but all in all it's it's fairly straightforward we get a key change at the final chorus Did you catch that we sure do yeah we sure do buddy i could catch a key change i never made a key change before I'm not against the idea of it. And finally, the last thing I have musically is that, like you said, we've got the bookends of Mark's drums. Yeah. At the very end, there's this one moment. I think it's the 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 bass pedal that they put this echo on for some reason. It goes, and then it and then it carries out. It's just a weird little touch. Not sure why, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. You always did like a weird little touch. Right. I mean, ask, ask my priest. Let's talk about the lyrics. Sure, 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 sure. It is, it is like you said, it's a fairly straightforward tale. And and yet, the thing that makes it intriguing for me is the scansion. Okay, sure. Uh, it's almost like a haiku in the sense that mm. the first line begins an idea, the second line both finishes that idea and deftly starts a new one. Okay, okay. Met a man just the other day, said his name was Jim Boy. Won't you take a look? Met a man just the other day, said his name was Jim Boy. Won't you take a look? I need to confess, I always thought it was Jim Boy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't realize there was a period there, so I thought it was like Jim Bob, you know? Right, right, right. Well, that, that would fit more in an American time. Yeah, context. fair enough. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to rewrite it and perform it that way. Got a car for you. It's a real steal. Cleaned it right down. New brakes, clutch, and here's the hook. Yes, it's a four-wheel drive. Low ratio. Got a car for you. So, cleaned it right down implies to me that it is a. It is not a stock vehicle. It is not an. It is not an off the. 
off-the-rack vehicle. It is a it is a used vehicle that has been modified. Is that the sense that you got? I I got the used part. What makes you think it's it's modified? Well, cleaned it right down makes me think that it's been stripped of anything non-essential. Oh. And then it's got new brakes, new clutch, and later on we find out that it has a roll bar. Yeah. It's got the the winch fitted wide tires. None of these are standard on 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 most vehicles. It's been designed for a specific usage. Okay, fair enough. I I thought it was it because it's a used vehicle, he cleaned it cleaned it down meaning cleaned it up. You know, I thought it was there was a, a like a, a lost in translation thing. I think that's totally valid. Yeah, I think that's also I I would say that that is also and or or the correct interpretation. <laughs> I I will take it. We are both right and we are both wrong. <laughs> we both have zero ability to confirm the truth on this. Sh- Schrodinger's interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick, let's talk about four-wheel drive and specifically low ratio. The concept of four-wheel drive. The concept of four-wheel drive, Nick, what 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 does that mean in a car? Normally, well, I mean, normally nowadays, I would say that your, most of your your sedans, most of your really any car, even most trucks are by default running at two-wheel drive, running just the the front wheels are being propelled by the the motor, and then the back wheels just happen to roll because the the truck is rolling. Or more regularly, the back wheels are powered. Oh, is it is it the back? Yeah, most most vehicles have the have the back axle powered and the front okay. does the steering. Okay. The Fiat actually ha- is front wheel drive with your feet, right? You yes, just, yes, yes, yes. Front front foot drive. The pedals, yeah. As Mr. Ferrari said, you don't put the horses behind the carriage. Hmm. That's interesting. Is that true? Did he say that? Yes, but he was very drunk. Oh, probably, yeah. So four-wheel drive then implies... All of the wheels being driven by the engine. Right. The advantage of which is that you get much better traction and you can, in theory, have better control over the vehicle on the road or off the road. The trade-off, of course, is that it takes more power to power all of the wheels. Yeah. Low ratio takes it a step further. And this is where the song, for me, the concept of of this being the song gets really interesting. So you're saying four-wheel drive is not by default low ratio, that is an addition? Exactly. You can have high, a lot of old-fashioned four-wheel drive vehicles had low ratio or high ratio. And and I remember when I was a kid, my dad had a four-wheel drive pickup truck, a, a big diesel truck. And to put it into four-wheel drive, you actually had to get out of the vehicle and and twist the wheel locks on the side of the of the tires. Holy cow. Of the wheels, which is always my job in the snow, which was great fun. <laughs> and I was never able to do it cuz I had tiny little, you know, 6-year-old hands. But putting it into low ratio means something with the gears that I can't quite explain, but it essentially the same amount of power is going to the wheels, but rather than speed, you trade yes. off for torque. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. That makes a Meaning ton of sense. You can drive it in in much more adverse conditions. So yeah. so low ratio means you can drive on sand, you can drive up those really rocky hills. Where you, when you see the pictures of army jeeps going up, you know, an impossible rocky impl- incline. Yeah. That's all in low ratio. You can't, if you try to take it above, you know, 35 or 40 miles an hour, you'll burn out the engine. Yeah. So it's really for off-roading mud, slow, 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 slow going. Yeah. But you can go places that no one else could go. Or heavy hauling, too. Or heavy horses. Yeah. Ha- hauling heavy horses. Yeah. Howling, 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 So that, that brings us to the, the second verse. I took it home through the deep mud. Uh-huh. What's plugged happy as a boy in sand? I think that's an Englishism. I think that's a Britishism. Right? You know, he's he's not just regular happy. He's plugged happy. He's plugged in. It's like saying plum happy. See, that's what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Plugged happy, meaning he's wired. Plugged happy as a boy in sand. I don't know. Yeah. So he brings it home. He's got all the fancy stuff, like you said. 
the wide tires, the spotlight, the winch, brush bars up front to complete right. the plan. Now it's really a four. Now it really is. Because if you have just the four-wheel drive low ratio aspect, why would you have that if you don't have the tires that can go in the mud, if you don't have the winch that can pull the heavy stuff? Well, you know? the winch, depending on where it's located, is is also to pull the vehicle out. If you get stuck in the mud, you take the winch, wrap it around a tree, sure. and winch yourself forward. Yeah, I was thinking of winching someone else, but yeah, you can also you oh, can also well, do that way. on yourself. Yeah, I yeah. remember when I my the my very first traffic accident, I was driving my mother's Subaru, uh huh, and skidded off the road in a storm, and a nice gentleman stopped with a huge truck, and he had a winch on the front. And he connected it to the to the Subaru, pulled us out, and then before he drove away, he got into his truck and he said. And I didn't even have to put it into four-wheel drive. (laughs) And sped out. Straight into a lamppost. You're still not done being emasculated. Guy, (laughs) he he probably remembers that incident more fondly than I do. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that, was that, did you say that was the Subaru? Yes, that's when I impaled the Subaru. And you couldn't, oh, it was impaled, yeah. Well, it was also very far down a ditch. Oh, right, right. In the snow. But Subarus are for our auto four-wheel drive, but it was... They are, which gives them excellent traction, but yeah. it was being piloted by a 17-year-old <laughs> idiot. <laughs> that it was. <laughs> I like the line, well, I'm blessed, got traction in a special way. Yeah, that third verse is very, very veiled sexy, in a sense. Yeah, well, you know, I think that it's, it really, I love this song so much because, again, it's the purity. It's just... It's a really great description of someone having a great time with his new toy. Uh, Of all the times you're like, he's just talking about, it's just purely innocent. There's only one layer. That is horseshit. Really? Take you down to the edge of town where the road stops. We start to hold the ground. Well, I'm blessed. Got traction in a special way. Hold the (laughs) roll bar. Slide back. Feel me pull it round. Take you down to the edge of town where the road stops. We start to hold the ground. Well, I'm blessed. Got traction in a special way. Hold the roll bar. Slide back. Feel me pull it round. You think there's something sexual in that verse? Omen? Shade. How is this possible? How is this possible? Are you trolling me right now? No. No, I never, I never really, um... I mean, I thought, I, I, you know, I, I read a little bit of innuendo on let me show you my four-wheel drive, but I thought maybe he's just, you know, pulling up to the pub saying, hey, look at my new car. Unbelievable. I see your point. I see your point. You are so, you are so blinded by this song, by your love for this song. <laughs> it's 100% look at my fancy new truck. Let's go someplace and, and enjoy it. Well, and and, you know, that is a theme which has been explored in every possible facet and nuance by the modern country artists. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Mud on the tires. Look at my brand new Chevy. Let's go get it stuck in the mud. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all kind of a, uh, a, a common weird sex plan typified in those songs. Thank God I have AAA. That's my, that's my favorite country song. (laughs) I will give you I will give you that there is perhaps a, an open door for a sexualized interpretation of that verse. However, for me it's more the experience of like when you go on a roller coaster and you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> you're not helping your cause at all. <laughs> particularly with the, the, the physical gyrations and the <laughs> Nick, anything else about the lyrics on this song? I have nothing else about this song. Nice song, nice vehicle, nice hard body. Thank you. Have you ever, you, you must have seen at least, have you ever seen American Psycho? 
with Christian no, Bale. No, I never have seen oh it. Oh my god, it's it's a brilliant film. Christian Bale. Yeah, and the the book is actually really good too. Ray and I listened to the audiobook on like a hmm. really long road trip. But there there's this point where he's Patrick Bateman is is kind of he he narrates throughout the whole thing. Right. And, and he whenever he talks about like a, a a woman as like an object of desire, he's like, "Oh, she oh, she she's a real hard body." Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's I, I I highly recommend you you watch the film. It's crazy. Yeah. Not for kids. Also, also <laughs> the quote, also the quote, if everybody anybody knows the film, you're going to be really like baffled about this. The quote that Ray and I use, well, I use more regularly than Ray is don't just stare at it, eat it. You need to watch it to know the context. Okay. I'm not going to tell you anything else. <laughs> I heard that he based his performance on interview that he saw. Christian Bale based his performance of the psycho, of the the of the murderer, on an interview of Tom Cruise that he saw. I I would not be surprised at all. Which he described he described Tom Cruise as having a very intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. That's very accurate for Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. A good personality consists of a chick with a little hard body. Nick. Oh, man. What are we listening to next week, I ask, as if I don't have the album sitting right next to me? Goodness me. Next week, we are actually, believe it or not, we're going to wrap up A. Oh, we're putting both of our sets of wheels into drive. Separately. Separately. You're going you're gonna to get out and crank the wheels for me. <laughs> you're gonna winch the winch we'll pull the car apart at the seams so we're we're gonna we're gonna do two instrumentals and a short one because and oh my god why did i think and further on was a lot shorter than that it's not at all whoops one of the longer ones on the album we're still gonna do it i'm doing it anyway so we're doing the pine martin's jig and further on and the bonus that came out with the a release uh just last year i believe korowisk Oh, Coral I've been whisk. looking for my coral whisk yeah. forever. It's so hard to make good omelets without it. It's with the egg whisk. You've got a, with the egg a whisk yeah, drawer. Can't find that either. Oh, well, that's a problem. Until next week. Don't give your cash to Jim. Give your cash to us by going to patreon.com forward slash talk told to me. Boy, let me tell you how many patrons this Patreon can fit under the hood. <laughs> At least one more. This podcast is a five-star drive podcast, and you need to make sure everybody knows about it by rating and reviewing. Please. This podcast is not the fastest, but it will drive through the mud. It'll drive off-road. It's not road legal, and so we actually can't drive it on the road. Until next week. That had nothing. There was nothing more to that, was there? (laughs) Until next week, I am plugged happy as a boy in a podcast, Nick McGill. You were going to use that, weren't you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm fitted and wide, Omen said. We got traction in a special way as the feckless momes. And here's the hook. Yes, it's Talk Tell to Me. Well, George, I haven't seen you down these parts in a dog's age. Oh, Jethro, look at you wandering up here with a little hitch in your giddy-up. Oh, well, yes, my brother. Let me show... Oh, you know what? I have just got to show you this new sweet little piece that I done picked up down at the... At the automotive lot, if you know what I mean. You know, I, I'm i pretty sure I heard a Hemi driving up that hill. Oh, you sure did. It's uh, It's got the on-center feel, uh, big time. You know what I mean? It's got it's got leather seats, or rather, it used to done have leather seats, but now it ain't got no seats at all. I done oh, took them out. Oh, you like to do the old stand and drive skidoo. It's, yeah, that's right. It takes less pressure on the, it gives more push for the PSI. That's uh, that's what I hear. I see. Do I count 16 tires on that vehicle? Yep. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to get a rack and pinion 
but uh, I, I had to go with the I had to go with the semi elliptical leaf spring to accommodate them their wheels. Now, pardon me while I hold this roll bar for just a moment. But what do you what do you get for traction on those 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 wheels? I, I, you know what, George? I'm not gonna lie to you. Tell me, Jethro. My whole life, all I've wanted is a special kind of traction. And when I tell you that the squat between the squat and the spoiler on this rig, I get more traction than you could slap your mama with. I tell you what, boy, I have slapped my mama with more traction than I can think of, and if you get more traction than that, I am just floored. If I had any more toastier, my mama would slap me. <laughs> and you would deserve it. And I would want it. Now, now, can you, ex- I understand three winches, but why do you need six? Well, ain't got no winches, gotta have the winches. Fair enough, Jethro, you bring up a valid point. Unlucky in love, lucky in load barrenness. You, you know what, Jethro, take some of this hooch while I appreciate the beauty of the body of this vehicle. Now, I, I see I see a spotlight pointing straight down. That's right, that's right. Well, you see, for, for the purposes of weight and also because of the vintage nature of this here vehicle, I did have the floor removed. Ah. It makes it a little bit more challenging when you're going on the highway, but well, the benefit thereof is, is that when the cops done be pulling you over, you can just slip out the bottom, no one will be the wiser. I hide there with the viscous coupling, and uh, the cops just, uh, they are befuddled. I will tell you, they are befuddled. This hooch is, uh, ooh, it's like a it's like a right slush box. Call it white lightning. Why that one got? I don't know. It's a it's a punch in the face. You know what is more of a punch in the face, though? I would say that 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 bumper sticker you got there is a bit unorthodox. Well, you know when you have a sixteen wheel, thousand pound foot powertrain push monster. <laughs> push monster. With more turbos than a than the sun herself, and more horsepower than the state of Kentucky, you can have whatever bumper sticker you want, and your daddy won't say nothing. You know what, Jethro? I am proud of you for taking a stand, and I, you know what? I don't care if I don't care who knows it. That's right. I'm proud. I'm. I, I've, just, I've decided I'm proud of who I am. I think you ought to be, just like Talk told to me, because they. They's proud of being a part of the Feckless Mums Audio Network, as that bumper sticker does say. That's right. That's right. And if people won't be impressed by my Hotchkiss suspension, then they will have to respect the fact that I am a proud contributor to the Jethro Toll podcast. Jethro, let's go for a spin. I'm I'm gonna stand in the back in the in the bed, and I'm just gonna take my top off. Is it okay? Oh, hootie! Oh, that's right. There's no clothes around in here. There's uh, extra weight. Watch out for the half shaft. Yeehaw!